Our lives are filled with many exciting events. For some, it's the first day of school. For some, it's the last day of school. Falling in love, getting married, having our first child, getting our first job, our first car, our first home, to name just a few. But for Christians, there's an event which is going to happen to us which stands far above any of these. And that is our glorious resurrection. Paul writing in Philippians chapter 3 says, We also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things. Paul was contrasting now with them. Lowly body now, glorious body then. The Greek for lowly there is taponosis. It means humiliation, to be made low, low estate. King James translation translates it our vile bodies. New King James, ESV, NIV, call it lowly bodies. ASV and Young's literal call it the body of humiliation, which is the best translation, I believe. The King James rendering is not the clearest because it is not a vile body that is to be changed. The body is not vile. The Bible nowhere says that the body is vile. Flesh nature, yes. Physical body, no, because we are wonderfully made, Psalms 139. For the form of this world is passing away, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 31. Everything about the temporal world is temporary, and we see evidence of that every day. As the song says, time is filled with swift transition. Nothing stays the same, everything changes. The material world degenerates. Much to be enjoyed, but all is transitory. It goes away. Only God is immutable. Only God never changes. We are not God, therefore we change. The bottom line, there is nothing in this world that is ours to keep. We're going to have to let go of it all. The only thing we never have to give up is God. And in truth, he is the only security we really have even now. To lean on anything else, however good it may be, is to lean on a broken reed that will not last. If our security is based on something that can be taken away, then we will constantly be on a, on a false edge of security. Since everything in the world is temporary, we should hold it loosely. Our health, our wealth, our homes, and even to an extent our families, for they too can be taken away. That is the nature of the arrangement that we have, and we all know it. So why is it so difficult when we see these things slipping away? Why are most of our prayer requests for physical things, physical health, 
that aren't going to last anyway. Could it be because we lose sight of the eternal picture? We cling to these lowly bodies so much. It is easy to lose sight of what gloriously awaits us. Our lowly bodies consume so much of our thoughts, our efforts, and our time. Even believers lose focus on what awaits, much less living in anticipation of it. But the resurrection of our glorious bodies will be a most momentous occasion in our lives. And it is the reason we should be longing for His appearing. When John tells us we will be like Him. But for now, we're still living in lowly bodies. Bodies of groaning as we await that glorious transformation. Our bodies, our lowly bodies, move into increasing stages of deterioration, no matter what our age is. We are forced daily to face the fact that if we're over the age of 20, 25 at the most, we are over the hill physically. It's just a matter of time. We sit together as a huddled mass of degenerating plasma, atrophying muscles, and fraying nerves as our DNA falls into one mutation after another, leaving us unrestorable and inevitably a physical mess. It's just a matter of time before our bodies hurt, and what doesn't hurt probably doesn't work anymore. Maybelline, Mary Kay, Botox, Trips to the gym may create a temporary illusion, but the fact cannot be hidden. We simply aren't what we used to be. Our shoulders are no longer the widest part of our bodies. Yes, our feet may still be there, even though we can no longer see them or get to them like we used to. The simple task of trimming our toenails slowly becomes an act of contortion, followed by a trip to the chiropractor. <laughs> Even those under 20, their eyesight fades, contacts enter their eyes or glasses, sometimes more serious failings. We're told that we learn languages best at about the age of seven. Our brain processes things about the best at about age of 18. That does not necessarily mean that we are smart, though. We remember names best at the age of 22 and our muscle strength peaks at the age of 26. Change is certain. Sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's an avalanche. And Paul knew that so very well as he dealt with his thorn in the flesh and as he had to succumb possibly to dictating some of his letters. And in the midst of those realities, he wrote Philippians chapter 3, verse 21 that I read for you. As he references the reality of our physical bodies and the anticipation of our glorious bodies. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. The ASV renders it probably a little better when it says, 
He shall fashion anew the body of our humiliation, that it may be conformed to the body of his glory, according to the working whereby he is able even to subject all things. Repairs are required. Because we have broken bodies. We live in a society where youth is worshipped. It's revered and it's sought at a great price. A society that's taken in by chronological snobbery where the new is assumed to be better than the old. But things are not better because they're new, nor are they better because they're old. They're only better based upon how closely they are aligned with the will of God. We are forced, as C.S. Lewis wrote, to recognize that as life goes on, repairs are necessary in this body. Yet while our bodies may stoop, our souls can soar. Older is of great value to God despite our society's thinking. Proverbs 16.31, the hoary or the silver or the white-headed is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. But as our bodies march on, we are often reminded that repairs are in fact, are a fact of life. We spend what seems to be an inordinate amount of time fixing them. And we wish we could spend that time in more productive or pleasurable pursuits. But in the real world, repairs are unavoidable. We have to take time for some maintenance. Everything physical degrades. It's true of houses. It's true of cars. It's true of appliances. It's true of everything in the world. From our early childhood, everything physical begins to fall into disrepair. I believe that's why God urges us back in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. To remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days In that passage, he talks about how the keepers of the house, our arms and our limbs begin to tremble. Our grinders, our teeth cease. Our eyesight fails. Our stoop bends. The golden bowl or our heart is no longer prime after our early years. And forgettery becomes our constant companion. My grandmother used to say in her later years, I forget, but I soon forget I forgot, so life goes on. And there is some comfort in that. But I think that's why Paul calls our bodies bodies of humiliation. Bodies that from an early age begin to humble and fail us. Or do they? Do they really fail us? Humble us, yes, but do they really fail us? Oh, we can't do some of the things we probably felt we could do five years ago, ten years ago, however many years ago back you want to go. But are they really failings? Or are they actually God preparing us for that glorious body that awaits 
Are they God's way of reminding us of what is truly real? As we move from 29 to 30, from 49 to 50, from 69 to 70, or 89 to 90, our lowly bodies ring a glorious news. This world is not our home, and God never intended for it to be. We truly are just passing through. What we often view as the end is not the end. God tells us it's the beginning. Because these bodies are not us. A beautiful body does not make a beautiful person. Nor does a lowly body make a lowly person. But a glorious body awaits the glorious person. Could it be that the best blessings are often those that hurt the most, seem the harshest, and take us nearest to our physical brink? When you're not the one visiting the dying, but you're the dying who's being visited. If you've ever wondered if you would ever see another sunset, you will never watch another sunset the same again. If you've ever wondered if your feet would ever touch the floor again, you never get up the same again. If you've ever lost a child, you never hug the remaining ones quite the same again. If you've buried a parent, you never visit the remaining one quite the same again. And phrases like, it's good to see you, take on more deep meaning than ever before. These things hurt. But I believe they're often preparatory for the greatest events of our lives. Not the end of the road. Because there are simply bends in the road. Helen Steiner Rice captured the thought. Sometimes we come to life's crossroads. We view what we think is the end. But God has a much wider vision and he knows that it's only a bend. The road will go on and get smoother. And after we stop for a rest, the path that lies hidden beyond us is often the path that is best. So rest and relax and grow stronger. Let go and let God share your load and have faith in a brighter tomorrow. You've just come to a bend in the road. But if we near the brink and are pulled back, maybe that's God's great love and grace at work. Maybe he's looking down on us and saying, they're not quite ready yet. Or I still have work for them to do. Moments in life that allow us to be more empathetic to the trials of others. Sometimes a storm in our life is what blows us back to where we long and need to be. There's a man that I've become very 
close to, we'll just call him Mike for want of a word, who was brought back to the Lord largely because of his father's death. And that's rare. Many of you have stood near coffins and heard family members say that they're going to change and things will be different when they lose a loved one, and they, they often aren't. In this case, I think it was. Got a call from his wife several years ago, and this one who's somewhat younger than I had suffered a heart attack. We got to the hospital. His heart stopped several times. If it hadn't been at the hospital when it happened, he'd be gone. But when you talk to him, he talks about a lowly body and a glorious body in a totally new light now. In Philippians 3.21, Paul writes that we will be fashioned anew the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory. Body of humiliation, ones that seemingly fails us. Sometimes called a burden. And yet it may simply be preparatory to increasing our anticipation of having a new body. Paul keenly felt the humiliation of man's mortal state. On the Damascus Road, I believe he was given a glimpse of a body of glory in the form of the heavenly splendor when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ. And it impressed upon him undoubtedly how lowly these bodies are compared to what awaits. It doesn't matter whether we are healthy, wealthy, and strong. Regardless of our condition as a result of man's rebellion, we are living in a body of humiliation. And it manifests itself in many ways. We age, we get sick, we fall, we forget, we have accidents. And those are just a few of the tokens of our lowly bodies. Paul does not only talk in the book of Philippians about dying and going to heaven, which he did in earlier chapters of the book. But here he goes beyond that concept to the appearing of the Lord and the resurrection of his body. That glorious transformation of his body and our bodies as the children of God is a confirmation and I believe a completion of our salvation. In Philippians 3 and 11, Paul says, That is my focus, he writes, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, to have that glorious body. The body of humiliation, as Paul writes about it, refers to our bodies in their present state. Subject to infirmities, subject to disease, subject to death. And many times we don't understand why us and not somebody else or why somebody else and not us. Questions that really have no answers in this life. And when we get our glorious body, it will be have many similarities to the bodies that we see in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. It will not die. It will be strong. But it'll be even better than what God had in store for Adam and Eve and their descendants. 
Paul says that one of the objects of the Christian hope and expectation is that this body, so subject to infirmities and sicknesses, will be changed. And that change occurs in one of two ways. We die, and our body goes to dust, awaiting the resurrection. Or by the return of Christ in our lifetime, and we're just simply transformed as we're lifted up into the clouds. But whether by death or whether by the rapture of the living at the second coming, we will be endowed with a new life, a new body, a glorious body, as it pleases God. A body of glory which he has in the glorified state. What changes his body underwent when he ascended into heaven, we're not fully told. Nor do we know completely the nature of his body that he now has. Our curiosity often exceeds our information. But it is adapted to a glorious realm where he now dwells and where we want to dwell. Doug talked to us about not going to the in the opposite direction before he extended the invitation of focusing on the proper direction. And Paul calls that our spiritual bodies. And it will be accompanied, or they will be accompanied with all the splendor and glory which are appropriate for the Son of God, for the children of God. Imagine that. And we will be like Him. In a spiritual body sense. According to the working, Paul says, Such a change, a mass transformation of lowly bodies into glorious bodies requires a tremendous amount of power. You know, when we read Genesis 1 and 2, we think a lot about all the things that were created. You ever thought how much power it took to put all of those atoms together like it did? We can see the power produced when one of them's broken apart. The tremendous power that was invested in the creation. I think there will be no less power invested in the transformation of lowly bodies into glorious bodies. And because of that, only one being can do it. That's the Lord. What a contrast between our bodies here, frail, feeble, subject to sickness, decay and corruption, and the body that will await us on our journey to heaven. We've probably all gone by stores that have signs in front of them that says closed for repairs and they'll, they'll do some remodeling and then they'll reopen. When we die, it's like our bodies are closed for repairs. And then on the resurrection day, they'll be renewed, repaired. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 4, Paul writes, For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed or because we want to die, but further clothed, we want to continue, that mortality may swallow us up in this life. Very similar to the words that he used in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul meant by groaning that the physical body is frail. 
And this is the reality of earth. And you feel it. I feel it. And I don't care if you're 15 or 95. You feel it. You think a little bit more about it if you're 95. People remind you a little bit more of it if you're 95. But you feel it. So when this corruption has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, if we could just learn to view death like God does. And I believe we're trying. But I believe it's a difficult transition for us to make. Always of good courage, Paul says. Confidence in the truth that no matter what happens to our body, absolutely nothing can happen to us if we're the children of God. Kind of like the poetic expression, like the bird, be thou, that for a moment rests upon the utmost bough, and he feels the branch bend and yet sweetly sings, knowing that he has wings. No matter what stage of life you are in or I am in, as children of God, we have wings to carry us to the resurrection day. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just very briefly, he gives us four glorious characteristics of our glorified bodies. He tells us that there will be incorruption or imperishable. They'll never wear out. They'll never age. They'll never be held hostage to disease of any kind. Healthy and strong forever. Youthful but mature. Now that's a wonderful combination. A very elusive combination, but a wonderful thought. All will be made perfect. I believe in the resurrection day, much of the Garden of Eden's intent will be shown. No disease, no death, no sin. That was the intent. It didn't work out because of man's rebellion. I think the resurrection day is going to show us what God really had in mind for man. If we'll just let him guide us in the way that we should go. We're told that it will be not only incorruptible, but will be in glory, contrasted with dishonor. And I believe there's a suggestion there of the beauty and attractiveness that we will have. No longer dishonorable or unattractive, but glorious. Glorious also connotates a bright, shining radiance that surrounds the very essence of God himself. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 43 Jesus says, then the righteous shall shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. In Daniel 12 and 3, it says, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever. There will be a, a glorious shining persona. Not because we deserve it, but because we're to be like him in that respect. We'll be adapted to that world of glory and everything which renders it vile, valueless, cumbersome, offensive, or degraded will be removed. 
and all will be glory. It says our bodies will also be raised in power, and that's contrasted with meekness that we have now. Not only will we be free of diseases and deterioration, but we will be given power and strength. I don't think it will be power and strength to the point that God has it, but far exceeding the power and strength that we have now and that often fails us. Could it be when our power and strength physically fails us, it's God preparing us so that we will anticipate a glorious body even more? And then he finally says, we'll be raised a spiritual body, contrasted with a natural body. It's so in a natural body, subjected to the characteristic desires of this age, that is led by its own sinful will. It's a raised spiritual body that will be completely subject to the will of the Holy Spirit and responsive to its guidance. We struggle sometimes being responsive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Well, in a glorious body, I don't think that will be an issue. We will be totally submitted to it. When Christ returns, he will give us a new glorious body like his resurrected body. First John chapter 3, verse 2. And when he appears, we shall be like him. And Paul says, that's what I long for. Today we're not incorruptible. We're not yet glorious or powerful or spiritual. We can be those things in an extent as we allow the Spirit to guide us. But we don't yet have that glorious body. We're still entrapped in our lowly body. But Paul does not allow any maybes in connection with this teaching. This is what it will be. The certainty of a spiritual body's arrival at the time of the unfolding of the Father's will will attest and prophesy, be prophesied by the very existence of the natural body itself. If there is a natural body, then there is a spiritual body. There is coming a day, so the song says. There's a great day coming. There is coming a day when no heartaches shall come. No clouds, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears that to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. When we get our glorious resurrected bodies, and that should be the goal and the motivation of us, what a day that will be. When you hurt, our bodies seem to let us know that this world is not our home. Could it be God reminding you and I that he never intended for it to be our home? Something glorious awaits for the steadfast. I believe there are probably certain lessons that we can only learn through pain.
They're not the most pleasant lessons, but they're often the most important lessons. I'm not wishing pain on anybody. I just know that it comes. It happens. So the question really for us is, how are we going to use that? Are we going to use that as a reminder of what awaits us? And if it takes that to help us to be more empathetic, if it takes that for us to draw closer to Him, then God blessing for giving us some pain. Well, sometimes that's the only teacher that we hear.